Welcome to episode 15 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener, we would really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching on YouTube, it would be a big-time help if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, so after winning six games in a row, the Toronto Maple Leafs have now lost three straight games since our last podcast. But as of Saturday morning, April 17th, 2021, the Leafs still sit in first place in the Canadian division, three points ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. And we are going to get into the week that was and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down with this team. But before we do that, it is now time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Bruno. Uh more lockdowns <laughs> but this is uh this is a hockey podcast and we won't talk about that uh at the start of our last show we discussed that uh, the leaves had won i believe it was four in a row that week so uh since then they have lost three in a row as you mentioned but uh excited to talk about it excited to hit episode 15 shout out to uh thomas Caberlet and to uh alexander kerfoot who is my wife's favorite player simply because she thinks the last name kerfoot is a very cute name so off we go. Episode 15. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it, Lapore. And yeah, shout out to Thomas Caberlet. Caberlet, man. My what a player. Goodness. He was one of the Leafs' best defensemen the last 20 years, man. Incredible. Didn't get the, the love he deserved. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lapore, you said it, man. I mean, the lockdown is pissing everyone off in Ontario. So you know what? Let's just get our minds off that. Let's talk some hockey. The playoffs are coming up soon. And everything's going to be okay. All right, guys? Yeah. When hockey's on... And and it's playoff time. The the good times the good times are rolling. All right. Okay. So let's get into the week that was for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ugh. Yeah. It, it wasn't great. <laughs> it was not great. So they started things off Monday night in Montreal against the Canadians. Jack Campbell's streak of eleven straight wins was snapped. Oof. And the Habs opened the scoring on a lucky bounce off Galchenyuk's skate right to Thomas Tatar in front for a tap-in. And from there, you just knew that it wasn't going to be the Leafs' night. Matthews actually scored in this game, his league-leading 32nd of the season. Um, But Josh Anderson ended up scoring the eventual game winner for the Habs in the second period as the Leafs lost 4-2. to And then on Tuesday night, the Leafs returned home to play the Calgary Flames. And we'll get into this later in the podcast, but David Riddick, New Leaf acquired at the trade deadline, made his first start against his former team, the Calgary Flames. He made 25 saves, um, but the Leafs fell short once again. In Milan Lucic's 1,000th NHL game, the Flames beat the Leafs 3-2 in OT. Johnny Gaudreau with a filthy OT winner. Yeah, what a goal. It was so sick. And then on Thursday, the Leafs played the Winnipeg Jets Austin Matthews was out day to day, little maintenance. I don't think it's anything serious. You know, people were speculating that it could be related to his wrist injury earlier in the season, but it doesn't look like it's anything serious. Um, So we saw a top line of Galchenyuk, Tavares, and Marner in this game. 
Um, I mean, it was it was solid, solid first line. Also, one thing to note, on the morning of this game, Freddie Anderson was actually finally back on the ice working with goalie coach Steve Briere. So that's, that's something right. to keep an eye on. Anderson looks like he's coming back. That whole situation is is very muddy and we don't really know exactly yeah. what's going on but we can get into that later in the show leaves uh, goaltending will be its own podcast soon oh yeah big time and, and jack campbell was horrific in this game he gave up three goals on six shots before getting pulled the leafs power play was terrible in this game going zero for four the leafs are now one for 42 on the power play over their last 17 games uh the jets win this one five to two so, Michael Lepore, three straight losses for the Leafs, man. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, we'll start with the first game against the Habs and specifically uh, the opening frame of that game. That was probably the worst period the Maple Leafs have had all season. They were outshot 11-3 to to start that game. So, not a good look. As you mentioned, there was that bad bounce to start the game. Matthew actually got beat behind the net. Funny, I think we were talking last week or two weeks ago about how good he is on the boards in those puck battles. And Tatar beat him. Tatar made him panic. The puck came out front. It went off Gouch right back to Tatar. You know, thanks to the hockey gods for giving him credit or for giving, giving him a goal for his hard work. So one nothing uh, Montreal. Soon after that, uh, Montreal scored on the power play. Suzuki with a snipe. Uh, Habs fans who are watching or listening, uh, what's it like to score a power play goal? Because I've kind of forgotten what that feels like. So if you want to let us know, I mean, I'd be happy to hear please, about it. Please let us know because this has been a freaking nightmare, man. Incredible. Uh, second period, actually, the Leafs kind of turned it around in that period. You had goals from Matthews and uh, Tavares. Matthews, that cheeky little pass from Marner in front. And then Tavares scored on a scramble. He has been amazing lately. We'll get to that later. As I mentioned, the Leafs had a, a decent period. They uh, outshot the Habs 13 to 7 in that frame. I'm forgetting Anderson did score kind of that backbreaking goal towards the end of the uh, the second period on that long two on one. Great shot over the shoulder. Oh, he's got he, a sick shot. Eh? Yeah, he's been kind of quiet lately, but he's kind of turned it on and shown that he can always be a threat. Like I, I have a few Habs people I follow on Twitter are like hell bent that he's been there consistently their best forward, even when the puck wasn't going in for him, that he's been their best guy up front. Um, third period, Campbell actually played really well in that third period. It was three, two Montreal, as I mentioned, and he made two huge saves, huge saves to keep us down by one. Uh, as you mentioned, Montreal was able to score on a, on an empty netter. One thing I'll point at, and it's something I've noticed throughout the course of the season and I'll get your opinion on it. Keith pulls the goalie early, man. Like I've noticed like there's been times like two and a half, three minutes, like he's pulling the goalie in this game. It was almost at three minutes and it wasn't even like there was a face off or, you know, the Leafs came in. Like, I think it was like a kind of a neutral zone thing. We pulled our goalie. They came back quick and scored uh, just to finish uh, out the numbers for that game. The shots ended up being tied again at 25 simply. I think cause Montreal kind of sat back at one point, but money puck, our friends at money puck, this may have been the Leafs worst game all year. It had that game at a 68% chance win for the Montreal Canadiens. So I'm sure a lot of that is weighted in that opening frame uh, that the Leafs had. Like I said, it was probably their worst period of the season, just a fucking nightmare. And the bad balance to start the game is never a good sign. Uh, But credit to the Habs. You could tell early on that Montreal had to win that game. In their eyes, they had to win that game. We had beaten them uh, the week before, and they came off a bad loss to the Jets. So I expected Montreal to come out fighting. 
And I'm not to give an excuse, but I kind of was expecting a letdown from Toronto after Campbell finally broke the record. So it was just kind of like, you know, you give an excuse in the back of your head as to why you don't need or have to play well, you're not going to play well. And I kind of thought that Toronto looked like that. Or maybe it's that thing that like you're on that streak and you think you're too good. And once in a while, you have to be told that you're not. And Montreal played well. They came on hard and they told uh, Toronto that they better keep their eyes open when they play them. So all in all, not an encouraging performance. But uh, what was your take on that matchup with the Habitant de Montreal? Yeah, I thought Montreal played well because in some of the earlier matchups this season against the Habs, I thought the Leafs have been the better team in, in almost every game. And I know I've said this about you know pretty much every game the Leafs have played this season, but that was one of those games where you're watching and, and you could tell Montreal was the better team that night. They deserved the win. They outplayed Toronto. And I think you're seeing the Leafs kind of come back down to earth a little bit, especially in net. And we mm. talked about this on previous shows, Lapore. Like Jack Campbell was sporting a save percentage around 950. And yeah. then it had trickled down to, you know, around 940. And now it, it just keeps going down and down. And he's now allowed 11 goals in his last seven periods. So there you go. Yeah. You knew the regression was going to come. And just in terms of, uh, you know, of answering your question there about, you know, Keith pulling the goalie really early and why is yeah. he doing that? And my take on the situation, I think it's it's an analytics thing, really. I, I really do. I think the Leafs have looked at this and you can probably find an article on there about Dubis or somebody in the front office talking about this. But I think it's a situation where, you know, the analytics department is saying there's no need to wait until there's like 80 or 90 seconds left on the clock. Like yeah. when there's two minutes or even two thirty left, just pull the goalie and try to score because I, I, I think it just makes sense when you look at the math of the situation. Like there's no point of waiting until you don't have enough time. Yeah. You might like, be right. Like do it early. And I, I think, I think that that would be my defense of why he's doing it again. Right. I'm not a hundred percent sure on this. There's gotta be some information or some article out there where someone in the organization has talked about this. And there's other teams around the league who I, I believe do this as well, where, you know, you'll see them pull the goalie sometimes like three minutes left, like, holy shit, what's going yeah. on here, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those situations, Lapore, where, you know, we'll get into this later too, but Nylander's been out. The goaltending is coming back down to earth a little bit. They had won six games in a row. Yeah. But let's unbeaten, also keep in unbeaten mind. regulation in 10. Exactly. And let's yeah. also keep in mind, the Leafs are 9-2-2 two and two in their last 13 games. So, you know, when you kind of zoom out, things are still okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, Laporte, another thing we got to get into, also on Monday, the day that the Leafs play the Montreal Canadiens, was the NHL trade deadline. Oh. And a day before <laughs> the deadline, the Leafs made, you could call it, I guess, their big acquisition of yeah. the season. And that was acquiring Columbus Blue Jackets captain Nick Foligno. That is right. For a first round pick and two fourth round picks. And there's a lot of salary retention going on. So they sent a fourth rounder to Columbus with that first and another fourth rounder, the San Jose Sharks. Uh, so Lapore, I, I need your take on this Felino acquisition. Do you think the Leafs paid too much? And also, what are you expecting? from Nick Foligno and how he's going to fit in with this team with regard to, well, first of all, I'm happy about the deal. 
I mean, anytime we can get a Paisan on the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, it's a great thing. Love and uh, another captain. You look back, you look at the, the Leafs roster. I mean, Tavares was, he's the captain of the Leafs. He was captain of the Island Islanders. Thornton was captain in San Jose. Felino had the C. So it shows like they're, you know, they're zooming, zooming in on character guys. Spezza, sorry, was captain uh, the Sens for a brief time. Uh, the deal itself, and as, whether, as to whether we paid too much, we did pay a lot. A first and two fourths for a guy who doesn't necessarily put up a lot of points is a lot. But I don't, I've, I've, I've always, how do I put this? I've never really thought it's fair to compare deals because different teams have different needs, both in the way of their lineup and what they need from the guy they're picking up. So, I mean, everyone was quick to point to Taylor Hall and what was given up for him to acquire him and say, well, we gave up more for Felino than was given up for Taylor Hall from Boston. And, you know, the metrics and number show, you know, Taylor Hall is a better player. But to that, I respond, the Toronto Maple Leafs don't need Taylor Hall. They should have zero interest in acquiring Taylor Hall. And a player like Nick Felino is very useful. So with that value, I totally get it. He is the type of player that I expected the Leafs to get. Not a big name, but a name we all know, something we can expect. Um, some A guy we know, we know what we're going to get from him. And I had heard from people inside the Toronto Maple Leafs that, to put it how they put it, uh, Sheldon Keefe doesn't give a flying fuck about scoring from the third and fourth line. He just wants them to not get scored on. So even Spatza earlier in the year when he was putting up all those numbers, it's great and fine, but as far as Keith's concerned, as long as he's not getting scored on, he's playing well. And I, I think we can all make the assumption that he knows he's going to get his scoring from his top two lines. So and that if makes he can, a lot of sense. Of course it does. Like yeah. So if, if he's going to break even with the third and fourth line, he'll take that every time. And if you look at the underlying numbers of Felino, he never gets scored on. Like all the geeks were coming out right after that trade and saying, well, one thing that's obvious about Nick Felino is that he never gets scored on. So I, when this deal was made, I mean, you have people making their assumptions about where he's going to end up in the lineup. And there were a lot of people who were quick to say that he's going to end up in the top six, either with Matthews and Marner or Nylander and Tavares. But I don't think he's going to be there. To be honest, I think it's going to be Hyman and whether it's Gallich or someone else, and I think Felino is going to be on that third line. And again, I might be wrong. I'm just making my assumption on what the geeks are saying in the way that this guy never gets scored on and connecting that to what I've heard Sheldon Keefe wants from his third and fourth line. So again, if you look at the deal, like when I look at deals, I try not to look at specifically the player that was acquired or what was given up. I try to look at what was done to the team. So you can look and see that the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Nick Felino. That's not the same as another team acquiring Nick Felino. So on the broad scope of this, the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired to me, and I'm trying to get in their head here, but this is what I think they were looking at, a third line player who fits their model of we will not get scored on. When that third line's on, we will not get scored on. And that essentially makes a team a lot better. And again, the numbers they use, the metrics in acquiring him and who they'll put him with and those guys, I mean, who who the fuck knows in Leafland what they got going on in those offices. But that's how I see the deal. That this deal makes the Leafs a lot stronger because it allows those top two lines to play 
and it makes their depth exactly what they want. Not showing off, not falling behind to make a Seinfeld reference, but just not getting scored on. Yeah, I think you nailed it, man. I think the big thing with Nick Foligno is versatility. And I, I do agree with you. I, I, You know, a lot of people are saying he's going to slot in on the wing with Tavares and Nylander on the second line, or maybe they're going to put him with Matthews and Marner. I don't really see that happening either. Now, can Foligno play in the top six on the wing? Of course he can. He's a very versatile player. He's very responsible defensively. He brings the grit. I know Leaf fans love to hear the word grit and physicality, especially come playoff time. So he's going to bring all that stuff. He's a very well-rounded player. But Lepore, I agree with you. I think he is going to slot in probably as the third-line center on this team. Really? Okay. I mean... I mean, he could he could play the, like like I said, he can play the wing, he can play center. But I do agree with you that I can see him on the third line because I think Hyman's a better offensive player than Nick Foligno at this point. I don't even think that's a discussion. I think yeah. I think Alex Galchenyuk is a better offensive player than Nick Foligno at this point. So if you think that Hyman is going to you know stick with Matthews and Marner for the stretch run and into the playoffs, and Galchenyuk is going to be on that second line with Tavares and Nylander, then it does make a lot of sense that Felino's going to slot in into the bottom six, especially considering how good he is as a defensive forward. Um, mm-hmm. Now, in terms of, of the overpaying and all that, yes, I do think the Leafs overpaid a bit, but like you said, Lepore, they're in a situation right now. Like, this isn't like, I don't know, some middle of the road. This isn't like the Chicago Blackhawks acquiring mm-hmm. Nick Felino for you know, a first round pick and two other picks. This is a team that has Stanley cup aspirations this season. And this is a team that identified exactly what they needed. They wanted everything we just mentioned about Nick Felino, And I think they identified him as the perfect target to be that versatile player that they needed. And I think they understood that sure they're overpaying. They're, they're giving up a first round pick, but this is something that Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe, and even Dubas, he alluded to this in his press conference on deadline day. He's saying, you know, this is going back to conversations that me and and, and Keefe have had, you know, even going back before the season started, that okay. we wanted a player like this that, that can play up and down the lineup, that can be responsible, that can do all these things. He's a captain as well, former captain, I should say. So when you look at it from that perspective, I think it does make a lot of sense. You know, when I, I do get a little frustrated, though, when I see the abomination that is the Buffalo Sabres and how they traded Taylor Hall for a second-round pick and Anders Bjork. And now mm-hmm. Taylor Hall in his first two games with the Bruins has two goals. Yeah, so There's obviously. people on Twitter telling me, because I, I ripped that move by Buffalo, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. I know Taylor Hall has two goals this season, but that is the worst organization in hockey. It's been a complete shit show. They had a COVID outbreak. This is not a two-goal scorer, okay? Mm. And now, is he the Taylor Hall who won the Hart Trophy a few seasons ago with New Jersey? No, I don't necessarily think he's that player still, but the guy was shooting 2.3% and had two goals in 37 games, and now has two goals in three games with Boston. So Yeah, he was miserable. (laughs) When you see a player of that talent level get traded for essentially nothing, you know, it makes you look at the, the Felino deal and say, oh, okay, I mean, we, we overpaid a little bit. But again, it, it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. It's a late first-round pick. The Leafs are in a situation where it, where it made sense. So you just think the Hall deal is kind of like an anomaly 
in the way that the Sabres are a bunch of idiots and it can't get compared to anyone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I, I know the Sabres are coming out and saying, well, he had a full no move clause and he controlled where he wanted to go and blah, blah, blah. It's like, shut up. You could have got a first round pick for Taylor Hall. Don't give me this bullshit. Would you? I, and again, it doesn't fit what the Leafs, it doesn't fit what the Leafs needed, but what we traded for Felino, had we traded that for Taylor Hall, would you have been a-okay with that? I would have been fine. I, I I would have been really happy if they traded a first round pick and two fourths for Taylor Hall. Yeah, I guess something would have had to come out of our lineup. Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and there's gonna be there is gonna be a lot of lineup juggling here. Like I even saw like TSN like sending out like Instagram posts saying be like pick between these four players. Like who do you think isn't gonna make the lineup once everyone is is ready to go come playoff time? And they yeah. mentioned like Thornton, Galchenyuk, and Engvall, but. So yeah, the Leafs are going to have to make decisions. And yeah, would I have loved to see Taylor Hall in a top six at another fast scoring winner, winger? Yeah, that would have been great. But but again, when you look at the context of this team, you have the big four up front, you know, solidifying that bottom six with a guy who can play in the top six if he needs to. It, it's it's a good situation all around Lepore. Again, like how we say, like what the deal, what the deal means in totality. So now who is that sixth guy? I think that's an interesting discussion. So is it Galch? Is it like, are we done here? I mean, we're done here with regard to what we can add to the team. So this is what it is. Is Galch the guy and we're done and that's the top six? So you're saying like, who's the final guy in the top six? Yeah. If, you, if you're going to include Hyman as the fifth guy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think at this point, and even Dubis, like he's come out and said it. And again, he had, you know, Every GM on trade deadline day has their press conference after the 3 p.m. Eastern deadline. Yeah. And Dubis was saying, like, the play of Galchenyuk has changed our decision-making process because I think the Leafs probably would have been more aggressive in acquiring a top six forward if Galchenyuk hadn't been playing the way he's been playing. Now, is Galchenyuk out there playing like Austin Matthews? No, but he's providing a spark in the top six and he's giving them you know, that skill level that they need to play on the wing with, you know, either of those pairs. So I, I think Galchenyuk has been, I think he's been really solid so far, Lepore. I've been happy with his play. So I, I think, yeah, at this point, I think it's set in stone. But again, if Felino, you know, ends up playing in the top six on the wing, I don't think either of us would be surprised, right? I wonder if they're going to kind of have like a merry-go-round situation. Of like what they need against that opponent or in that game or That's that a really good point. Or, or that time of the game. Like you put Simmons with them for a while, or I don't know, like we saw Thornton bounce around the top six. You throw Robertson in there for some speed. You keep Gouch. Like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what no, they do. hundred percent. Lapore. That's a really good point because something that I always felt held the Leafs back was Babcock and his in-game decision-making and even like his game to game decision-making in terms of the lineup. Like yeah. there was things I remember like in some of those Boston series, like Kapanen was like flying around. He scored that amazing shorthanded goal where he, like, Oh my God, Brad Marchand to the puck. And my head hit the his, ceiling when that goal, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Then you look at his what ice time at the end of the game, which the Leafs ended up. I think that was the game seven. That anyway, you look at Kapanen's yeah. ice time. He played like eight minutes and 42 seconds. Awesome. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, and that wasn't the only game that he was, you know, buzzing around playing well. Whereas I think Keith, when it comes to making like in-game decisions and looking at the matchups, I think a guy like Felino is going to give him, you know, more 
give him more options, right? And give yeah. him that ability to be creative. And you see it with Keith. Like, he's not afraid oh, fuck. to try was, things out. What game was it? Was it last week? There was a spell where he had Matthews, Marner, Tavares. He's like, he was like, fuck this. And he, and he put the three of them out there. When It's amazing when all three are on at the same time. And you look at the... Um, uh, the uh, expected goals, all those stats when those three guys are on the ice, it's like 90 something percent because, while well, they always have the puck. If all yeah, three exactly. of them are at the same time, the puck's always in the other team's end. So maybe he's even thinking that it gives him that option. Like, I want to do that. And then my second line can be like a Hyman, Nylander, Felino, or whatever. And then Galich moves down like, and then change it throughout the game. Like, we'll see. And again, that, that's something added to the deal and how the deal deals are different for different teams. Whereas if it gave them that, because you have this guy who's good defensively, who's versatile. Well, now I gave my coach a lot of options depending on the circumstances in the game. And that's something that's really important in the playoffs. So, Oh yeah. hundred percent. And key, if the Leafs are down by a goal or two goals, like he's not afraid to just put all the big boys out there and stack yeah. a line. And he's not afraid to mix things up, you know, whenever he feels like it. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Keith is going to have a ton of options here and it'll be interesting to see how they utilize all these forwards moving forward. Yeah. All right, Lepore. So I guess we can get in now to the second game of the week. Sure. That Tuesday night game against the Calgary Flames. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, 3-2 overtime win for Calgary. Johnny Gaudreau with that filthy OT winner. Um, and David Riddick um, comes in at the deadline for a Big third save round Dave. pick. Big save Dave. Big save Dave. And yeah. you know what? Despite losing to his former team, Lepore, I actually thought he played well. I like his personality, eh? He's got a little chip on his shoulder, kind of a sense of humor. I'm okay with it. Like, goalies are weird. I'm, I'm okay with that narrative for him. Oh, yeah. I, I love it. And during the game, he, like, he brushed Johnny Gaudreau yeah. when he was skating by to go to his crease. And, yeah, see, he's uh, – you can tell. Like, he's a – he's got a good attitude. He, I'm sure you great. saw he was he was on the plane with the Flames. Yes, that's, that's right. All, that's hilarious. And and they were breaking they his were balls. All chirping him. Yeah, that's amazing. They were all chirping him on the plane ride after he'd gotten traded. And then, yeah. So, and then to see what, what he was, and I think he like shot the puck at someone during the warm up. Yeah. Like he, like he fired the puck like at center ice tour. I don't know if it was Kachuk or somebody else. And then, yeah, and then he bumps Johnny Gaudreau. So, yeah, it, it looks like David Riddick has a good personality, and I'm sure he's going to fit in pretty well with this group of guys on the leaf so imagine him firing back like them taking shots well i play for a winning team now guys hate to break it to you just like oh take yeah that. And, and i'm sure he <laughs> take that flames, to them on the I'm sure flight. Hear that. oh man yeah and we'll never know what was said on that flight but oh man the chirps must have just been flying back and forth it must have awesome. been great or they just sat there quietly because they were afraid how uh, their coach was going to react to the situation. And had, their, <laughs> oh! ha, had their heads down and God forbid anyone has any fun on the Calgary flames oh, right God. now. So yeah. yeah. God forbid anyone has any sort of fun under Daryl Sutter. Mm. Yeah. Lepore. So uh, give me your, give me your thoughts, man, on this, on this game in particular, man, this game was weird. And I don't want to say, I never want to be the guy to say that players take games off. But this game looked like, for the first two periods anyway, it looked like these two teams were taking the game off. As you mentioned, it was uh, Lucic. Lucic, it was his uh, thousandth game. The Leafs uh, scratched Spezza and put and put on um, 
uh, brain fart, the fighter, Sabrin. Oh, they yeah, on, Sabrin. They, 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 they dress Sabrin. And at first I'm like, oh my God, are we going full? We have a fighter now. Like we're going, we picked up Felino. We're going full going back fuck to the you. Colton or days. Yeah. We're going full fuck you mode. It's like, no, he was just put in there. So Lucic would get a fight in his 1000th game. So, okay, fine. The respect thing. And then, yeah, the first two periods, like neither team was fucking, neither team had any jump at all. Like, where's my note here? The shots were, I think midway through the second, the shots were like nine, seven. And they finished 13, 13 after two. Flames got their goal in the first. It was a complete defensive zone nightmare from Toronto. Player was wide open in front of the net. Lucic had an easy pass to made it one nothing. Uh, Hyman tied it off a Riley shot that hit the boards, came back. Typical Hyman goal. You work hard in front, you get rewarded. Um, in the second period, uh, Flames took a two to one lead on a power play. Sweet pass from Kachuk to Lindholm. Like I said, makes it two to one. Again, Flames fans, if you want to tell us what scoring a power play goal feels like, we'll be happy to hear. Uh, as I said, the shots were 13, uh, 13 after two. Early in the uh, third period, there was that crazy save from Markstrom. Oh, God. That was on ridiculous. Marner. Like, what is, and again, there's not luck involved in saves like that, that his foot kind of happened to be there and the puck happened to go there, but. What a save. Give the guy full credit. I almost thought it didn't get like enough attention as it should have like in the no, highlight shows. And even like on the broadcast, I want to say it was uh, Cuthbert on the call and maybe yeah, he just didn't see exactly what had happened. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that a couple of times this year. And I know the broadcasts are different with COVID and all that. And, you know, these some of these play-by-play guys are at home or, you know, in a studio and whatever calling the game right so there's there's been like that save that was like a top five save that's like a save of the year save like you get the whole net gets his foot up what a save and that was when you thought like hey it's just not our night um but anyways uh they were able to score kerfoot ties it a two what a pass from uh john Tavares. john stepping it up again uh behind the net fired out quickly for the goal Again, my wife, very happy to see her boy, uh, Kerfoot, score. (laughs) Then overtime. Okay, that overtime. That was from, I don't want to say like from a strategy standpoint, more from an execution standpoint. That was the worst overtime I've ever seen a team play in my entire life. So the the Leafs have the puck and it's about like decision-making. So the Leafs have the puck, Marner's got it. And he kind of just rushed straight down and shot. And like a 0% chance shot that just Markstrom like Markstrom stopped. I forget if I blocked anything. I didn't even get like semi excited because it was like a zero scoring chance shot, just completely giving the puck to the flames. And then the flames rushed out, start rushing in Toronto's end. And there's a guy with the puck at center ice and Marner rushes him and does like a half-ass poke check. And he just gets walked. And I've always said, when you see most, Oh, amazing goals in the NHL when a guy pulls a move. It's because the guy defending him made the mistake and overcommitted. Because at the end of the day, you're on skates. So if you move forward and a guy's coming at you, it doesn't take much just to shift to the side and go around you. It looks incredible, but it's more about no, the guy made the guy was an idiot and he went for the puck. He was overly aggressive. So Marner was overly, overly aggressive. Then the puck came on the right, and Matthews just didn't take Goudreau. Like, I don't know, there's that, I find there's that thing in overtime for like the first 30 seconds minute. It's not that guys aren't trying, but they're, it's kind of like a boxing match and we okay, we'll just feel it out and whatever. We'll skate in circles. I think Matthews maybe had still had that mentality at that point and he just didn't take the guy. So like you combine Marner's idiot shot, then his mistake at center ice 
and then Matthews not taking uh, Goudreau. And then, like we said earlier, what a goal. Like, great move. And I'm sure he loved to beat Riddick on that one. I'm sure he sent him a te- sent uh, him a text after to remind him that he scored the goal. But just just bad. Like, it was a weird game altogether. Like I said, like, I don't know if it was because it was because Luchas, it was uh, the, his thousandth game. And it was kind of like, you know, we're going to let him have his night and he got an assist and i said when he got uh that fight i'm like watch he's gonna score the empty netter so he gets the gordy howe hat trick but we were able to tie it it just like i said for the first first two periods it felt i felt like i was watching an exhibition game yeah, like zero it, it, it wasn't a fun game to watch no like zero intensity zero jump and then we were able to tie it and had some jump in the third and then just that nightmare of an overtime just like throw this one in the trash like i'm not even bothered and I don't mean to say that as like an excuse of like, I'm not even bothered. I just mean that like, that was so bad. Like I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like my approach to that one. Yeah, no. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that, it wasn't an exciting game. Throw it in the trash. Like it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And just to wrap up, you know, the Leafs versus Calgary season series, it's now over. So oh, nine man. games against the Flames this season, the Leafs went six, two and one. Uh, and outscored Calgary 25-21. So didn't totally dominate them. Like if you look at the season series stats against Edmonton, like the Leafs just obliterated them in terms of like goal differential. But yeah, still went 6-2-1 and one against the Flames with a plus four goal differential. So okay. they they did what they had to do this season against Calgary, a team that we thought was going to compete for a playoff spot. Doesn't appear that way at the moment. Um, but Lepore, I guess another thing we got to get into here is this goaltending situation now. Yeah. Because the Leafs pick up David Riddick at the deadline for a third round pick. And honestly, I was, I was kind of surprised by the move because, you know, obviously you're comfortable with Campbell and I know he's, you know, regressed pretty harshly here the last few games. And you have Anderson who's coming back from his injury or whatever the hell is going on. It's it's like the mystery of all mysteries. You have to be like Sherlock Holmes to figure this one out. Yeah. And then you have Michael Hutchinson as the number three. So I was I was a little bit surprised, to be honest with you, when okay. I saw them acquire Riddick. And that brought up the whole narrative that the Leafs are going to stash Anderson on long-term injured reserve mm-hmm. until the playoffs. And then they're going to activate him and they're going to manipulate the cap. So what's God take- forbid the Toronto Maple Leafs take advantage of the cap, you know, the, oh, te- the, the team that makes the most money and carries the league financially, you know, if they want to go into some gray areas, God forbid. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, it seems like that's the situation. And, and I mentioned that Anderson Thursday morning, the morning of the jets game, he was on the ice with goalie coach, Steve Breer. And I believe that was the first time he was on the ice. Yeah, I think you're right. Like since he, you know, went down with the injury, which they're calling a lower body injury. Now, I don't remember seeing Anderson get injured at all throughout mm-hmm. the season. So it's a, it's a very, it's a very interesting situation. So what do you think is going on, Lapore, right now with this goalie situation and, you know, bringing in David Riddick? I think, I think it was just insurance down the stretch at the end of the day. I think Anderson's a question mark. So why not just have that insurance and for what they paid for Riddick? I mean, whatever, like we bring up those percentages of what the chances of like late, late draft picks are able to fetch in the draft. Yeah. Like why not do it? And also I think it brings up the possibility of re-signing Riddick. So 
you look at Campbell, he's got his one year left. I think it's like one, six, five. And what does Riddick make like two and change? So like, I don't yeah. think he would, if he did get a raise, like what would he possibly get? So maybe you go into next year and I'm getting ahead of myself now, but maybe you go into next year with 4 million combined on your two goalies, kind of have a two headed monster start that way. And it would most likely allow you to sign Hyman, which we'd all like to see. But with Anderson playing, does it, I think it was last week we were saying, okay, like we're done here. And maybe we were just like overly excited with how Campbell was playing and all the wins this team had was this team had not lost in regulation in 10 games. But then like that thing creeped into my head of when Anderson was practicing, is Anderson going to be her goalie in the playoffs? I like thought that the thing, exact same thing. Yeah. Like that weird thing of like, you know, maybe he was hurt this whole time and they know exactly what they're doing and he just needed a rest. Like even if it was like a minor injury or some people said maybe he needs surgery in the off season, just who knows? Like nothing, nothing will surprise me. Like nothing at all will surprise me because I mean, Anderson's our guy from a salary and commitment standpoint. Campbell's been excellent. And now you have Riddick come in. So if Campbell falls off and Riddick has to jump in, what I, I wouldn't be shocked. Cause again, we're expecting that regression from Campbell. So to answer your question, I have absolutely no fucking idea who the Leafs goalie is going to be come playoff time. I mean, I think I think all Leafs fans are on the same page in the way that we all want a healthy, good Freddie. If someone said we can get Freddie at his best, we'll take Freddie at his best. Yeah, like but, ideal world, Anderson yeah. at his best is is probably better than Campbell at his best. Oh, of course. Even and, after and, everything we said oh, the last yeah, three like, shows about Campbell and Anderson. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Or again, it, like I said, it could just be, it could just be insurance and we'll see what happens with Anderson. Cause it wasn't a lot. It was a fourth, right? They traded. Uh, for, for Riddick. Yeah. I, I believe it was a third, a third, third round okay. pick. Okay. So a third to get him, And it just takes the thinking out of it from a standpoint of like, Hey, at least we know we're going to have like a goalie. Like we have a goal. And like, say even Campbell is get, gets hurt. Okay. Well, and Anderson's still out. Okay. We still have Hutchinson. So I mean, that would be a nightmare. I mean, if we have our top two goalies out, but again, I, I'm trying to galaxy brain it and maybe it's not something that needs to be galaxy brained, but it's not to sound cliche, but time will tell. We'll see what happens, but I have absolutely no fucking clue who the Leafs goalie is going to be come playoff time. Yeah. I think it was an insurance situation as well. You know, I, I, and, and, you know, it's the same thing with the decor, how they acquired Ben Hutton. Right. And listen, like Ben Hutton, he's not going to play unless one of these top six D men get injured. Mm. Right. And, and, you know, Ben Hutton, he's a solid depth defenseman. He's nothing special, but I think it's the same thing with Riddick. And I think Dubas looked at the situation. And he's like, fuck, my team has a chance to win the Stanley cup. If I don't do everything in my power to make sure that we have all our bases covered here and someone gets injured and, and we don't have someone to replace that player. He's like, I just do not want to put myself and my team in this situation in a season like this, where we're one of the Stanley cup favorites, we should get out of the Canadian division. I think he just wanted to cover all his bases. Yeah. Well, he strengthened in every area, right? Exactly. So. And, and I think with the, the whole playoff goalie situation, yeah. Like Lapore last week, all of Leafs nation, including us, I think we were all in agreement that it's Campbell's net. He's the starter in the playoffs, but you know, you've seen the regression now and we knew he was going to regress. And I think now, like you said, Lee fans have this thought in the back of their minds, like, holy shit, it might be Anderson after all. 
yeah. it really might be Freddie Anderson. And now whether they're going to stash him on LTIR until the end of the season for cap purposes and whatever, or they're going to figure it out and activate him sooner. I think it's just going to come down to which goalie is playing the best come playoff time. It's as simple as that. And if Campbell, I think can, can find his form that we saw when he went 11 and 0, I think it's going to be his net. If Anderson comes back, you know, let's say plays, you know, two or three games before the playoffs and he plays really well, it, then it's probably going to be his net. So I think it's just a situation where I think nothing is, is decided upon at this point. I don't think yeah. Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas have said, all right, Jack Campbell's our starter come playoff time, 100%. I think it's a fluid situation at this point. And I, I think that's, there's really no other way to look at it right now. I mean, we can speculate all we want, but at the end of the day, this team doesn't have an Andre Vasilevsky. This team mm-hmm. doesn't have a Connor Hellebuck. Right, this team doesn't have one of the top two or three goalies in the NHL. So, yeah. who knows? I guess, I guess, in an ideal world for them, Anderson's going to be able to play some games. So at least they get a look to see where he's at, both in the way of a health standpoint and a performance standpoint. So maybe that's that's his that'll be his chance to show himself and get a chance to ride with this team into the playoffs. But then comes the argument of how many games you have to give him two, three, five. I don't know. Like, I don't have an answer for that either. Yeah, because I would be, like, very concerned if he doesn't play at all. And then, I like, can't game, see that. Game one of the playoffs, they're like, all right, we're activating Freddie yeah, off IR, happen. and he's that playing game happen. one against Montreal. And I'd be like, uh... Are you guys not fucking <laughs> terrified? How, how many games? Season? Like, how many games would Freddie have to come in and do well for you to be okay with him being the I starting goal? I need at least, playoffs. like, two. I need at least, at least two. two games before the start of the playoffs to, to show that he's he's okay and that he's not going to let in five goals in game one against Montreal. Yeah, but notice like with how our team is run with all these geeks. They're going to want him to play poorly. So then when he goes into the playoffs, oh, positive regression. <laughs> like who the fuck knows what they're yeah, thinking, it's right? So. Exactly what you said, Laporte. No one knows. No one knows what the hell is going on with this. So we're just going to have to wait and see. And when new information comes to light, we can have our opinions and give you our thoughts at that point. But as of now, it's a fluid situation. So, And we'll be very angry regardless of whatever situation it is. So thanks for the content, uh, Leafs. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great for the GFP podcast. (laughs) Keep it coming, Leafs. We love love the mysteries and, you know, all these different scenarios. No one knows what the hell is going to happen. We love it. We love it over here. All right, Lepore, uh, I guess we can get into the third game of the week now. Leafs versus Jets. We're very excited to talk about this game. (laughs) But uh, man, oh man. So Matthews was out, like I mentioned earlier, you know, seemed like it was a maintenance day. Uh, William Nylander has now missed five games in a row on the COVID protocol list. Hasn't tested positive for COVID, but he's on the list because, you know, close contact and all that. So he should be back in the lineup soon. But yeah, without those two guys and with Campbell getting bombed with three goals on six shots, I mean, it was a disaster. And then, you know, just to to cap things off, Nikolai Ehlers, I thought absolutely clowned the Leafs on that goal where he he pokes the puck away from Mitch Marner, beats yeah. him to the puck, and then and then scores on on David Riddick and to make it four to two. And yeah, it was just it was just a bad game all around for the Leafs. They lose five to two. So give me your thoughts, buddy. Uh, yeah, it started well. 
I mean, we had a, a goal from Gouch. That's again, true. Did start well. Yeah, again, a, a goal from Gouch. Uh, John Tavares being the man again gets the puck out to him. That was one where they were they Gouch thought it was in. They had to double check it, but it in fact, did go in. It came out quickly. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs up one nothing, get a minute and a half five on three power play which they do not score on like any of us were expecting them to score on it to begin with, but you know, more uh, face palm stuff for us all. So after that uh, failed opportunity, the Winnipeg Jets score three goals in about three minutes. There was uh, the first power play goal. Again, the irony of all three of these losses is that these teams scored uh, early power play goals. So a power play goal. And then the two breakaways, both on Hall and Muzzin. I mean, you can watch those goals and, circle who you want to blame whether it's the guy who pinched and didn't make it or the other guy who didn't cover for the guy who pinched just not looking good like you said like Campbell was pulled after that uh Leafs had a good second period and were able to make it uh 3-2 goal from Spezza another assist uh from Tavares uh then there was that joke of a goal that you mentioned if you actually look at the replay it's kind of questionable as to what Marner was trying to do I think he hesitated. I think what came into his mind for a split second was I'm going to pass it back to Riddick. Like I'm, I'm kind of fucked. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, pass it back. Like you see with Broder, they pass it back to him because he was so good at handling the puck and he kind of semi fanned on it. And that just like lost a balance or whatever and fanning on it gave Ehlers the opportunity to go in on goal and score. So four, two, um, yeah, not good. The Leafs, I think the shots were like nine, nothing when that happened, because the Leafs, again, they were playing well in that period. I think that was the Jets' first goal. I might be mistaken on that, but either way, the Leafs were playing well. No, you're right. They were out shooting them big time in that that third period. The the final count in the shots in the third was 15 to 5, and after the first, the the bad first period, the shots were 26-16 for the Leafs. Um, The Jets make it 5-2 in the empty net. Again, total shot count for the game was 33-24 for the Leafs, and the Leafs had a 59% uh, chance of winning on Money Puck. So from the outer scope this is one of those games where you see that and you see okay I think yeah for this game in particular little poor i think that's a little deceiving that's my that's exactly what i was gonna say like you look at that and you say oh yeah like the leafs outshot the jets by a solid nine shots they were 59 percent on money puck they outshot them 15 to 5 in the third like those stats that if you showed me that i would say yeah the leafs probably won but add up everything you said where, and again, not an excuse, but the Leafs did not have Matthews and Marner. The power play, man. The power play. And it's these little things. I'm like, this is how you lose games. You're up one nothing, and you get a minute and a half, five on three. You're able to score. It's you two nothing. You score in that yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm not going to say, oh, now you win. But your chances of winning are a lot greater now. Because, again, that team's going to have momentum after killing off that five-on-three. And as we all see in the NHL, and a big talking point for that season is, well, the Jets are going to get the next one. And they did, and they scored, like good teams do, apparently. But not not a good showing uh, from the Leafs' defensive mistakes. More power play bullshit. Campbell not playing well. A mental mistake from Marner. Just not good. Not good, man. Yeah, and, and you said it with the power play. Let's dive into this a little bit. So I've gone over the numbers. Do we have to? <laughs> we have to. This is a must because <laughs> this is a fucking disaster right now. And it's yeah. the one Achilles heel that I think this team has heading into the playoffs. I keep saying that every week, you know, this is insane. This is crazy. This is embarrassing. 
but with every week it gets more insane crazy and embarrassing like it's, it's like, all, i don't know what to say now it's getting to the point where it's like it's unbelievable because i'll i'll just go over the numbers for everyone here the first 27 games of the season the leafs had the number one power play in the nhl yeah. operating at over 31 percent and again me and lapore were saying this power play is awesome it looks like Team Canada at the World Juniors. They're whipping the puck around. The first unit scoring, the second unit scoring. And then they just fell off a fucking cliff. The last 17 games, the Leafs are 1 for 42 on the power play, operating at 2.4%, dead last in the NHL. What's been surprising is that over those 17 games, the Leafs have a 10-5-2 record. Yeah. So you would think, you know, these terrible special teams. On top of that, the penalty kill... Right now, Lapore ranks 27th in the NHL. The Leafs penalty kill 27th in the NHL. So they're special teams. I, I I was actually surprised too checking these numbers before. The is show. that like a re- is that like a recent thing? It's been really bad that we caused it to drop because I thought yeah. it was actually pretty decent for a while. Yeah, I think that's more of like over the last let's say like three to five games that's probably brought that down a little okay. bit, but. I mean, these special teams and, you know, the power play in particular, and, and, you know, people can say come playoff time, like it's, you know, less penalties are, are called and it's more of a five on five game. But at the end of the day, man, goals are hard to come by in the playoffs. And when you do get those power play opportunities, you got to put the puck in the net and listen, do I think they're going to snap out? Like they're not going to operate at 2.4%. Like, they're not going to go on another one for 42 yeah. stretch. Like, this is insane. Just like what Jack Campbell's. What they're doing now is stretch. like, sorry, sorry. What they're doing now is like hard to do. Like, like Crazy. genuinely, it's it, it, because there is, let's call a spade a spade. Like, in sports, in any sector of the game, there is like a luck factor. It's like just based on having one more guy on the ice and getting luck once in a while, your percentage should be better than that. Like, this is hilarious. This just doesn't make sense at this point how yeah, low it is. It, it's becoming comical at this point. And, you know, like I was saying, like we saw Jack Campbell's numbers regress. We have to see some positive regression with this Leafs power play. And yeah. I don't know what they do to fix it. Like my, my big thing is just stack the top unit at this point. Like when Nylander comes back and Matthews is back in the lineup, I think you just have to go with a Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, and Riley top unit. And if they're going to stay on the ice for a minute 20, so be it. If you have to keep Matthews on the ice and pull an Ovechkin and have him out there for two minutes, so be it at this point. I think it's just a matter of let's get pucks to the net. It's the most cliche thing ever, but let's get our shots off. Let's, let's tee up Matthews. Let's, you know, and, and I know Riley doesn't have the best one-timer and maybe you have your your own opinions on this in terms of who should be running the point on this power play but yeah i think they just got to stop being cute with it stop looking for the perfect shooting opportunity let's just make quick passes get our shots on net and you know what if we have to score a scrappy goal on the power play to get this thing going then then so be it yeah maybe that's the ticket that you get simmons thornton or felino just parked in front of the net and like, let's scrap the finesse game and start focusing on ugly ones. I mean, whatever it takes just to get, and a lot of it too, again, back to like the sports conversation, it's fucking confidence now. Like you're, they're overthinking it now, like, like every zone entry and like, it's, it's a slippery slope. It's like, things are going well. And then now things are going, getting worse because you can't wrap your head around how bad you've been. So every opportunity you get, it's not gripping the stick too tight. It's overthinking a zone entry. 
and it's just mistakes and that causes mistakes and it's crazy how bad like this is historically bad they showed the graphic i think it was something like 40 they were 40 percent the first month of the season which like you said you pointed out like doesn't make sense and then it dropped to like 24 25 the second month of the season but then since then it's just like blossomous how bad it is and what's hilarious i i it officially i think it was the other night it officially fell out of the top 10 which is crazy in itself that it's been this bad for this long and they're like 11th best in the league yeah, on yeah the you're right play. right now they have the 11th ranked power play in the league yeah so then again is it just like these geeks know what they're talking about and the way they like if someone would have told you that at this point in the season the leaves have the 11th best power play in the nhl it'd be like eh, i wish it was better but okay we'll take you know, bottom of the top third of the league. It's like, it's just the way it's happened. It's just the way it's happened. And people will roll their eyes at that, but that's how these geeks look at it. There's no real timing in everything, in anything. It's just, because even if the Leafs had just a bad power play over this stretch, like say they were at like 15%, which is usually near the bottom of the league, they'd probably still be like in the high twenties. They're probably still the best power play in the league. Like I don't know that exact math, but I think people know what I'm trying to say with that. And, like, I could understand if, like, it was the Columbus Blue Jackets, right, who, like, just do not have a lot of talent when it comes to their forward group. But, like, when you – that's the most surprising thing, right? You have all these star players on the Leafs. But that's my point with that it's hard to do. Like, like, how are they – like, Austin Matthews is going to win the Rocket Richard going away. Like, it's not even close. Like, it's already wrapped up, signed, sealed, delivered, Austin Matthews 2021 Rocket Richard Trophy – and this team can't score a goal on the power play to save their lives. Crazy. I know, man. I know. It's nuts. At what point, like people are saying, like, I think I, it was last, again, we talked about this so long. It was either last show or them before where I said, at what point do this start to question Manny Malhotra? But if you think about it, man, like let's think about a goalie coach. If a team had, so this has gone for, on for how, how many games now? It's like 15 17 games. 17 games. 17 games. If the Leafs had the worst goaltending collectively, for 17 games would we not be like uh maybe we should talk about our goalie coach yeah i mean if it came out that like oh so-and-so team fired their goalie coach didn't the abs fire their goalie coach this year when they did and struggling they did and ottawa did recently or like they moved him to another position or something because they they had to try to figure out murray but yeah like if i heard that i wouldn't be surprised and this power play is that bad like maybe we need someone else to try to figure this out yeah, because we were all singing the praises of Manny Maholtra earlier oh, in the yeah. season, but man, oh man, it's gotten bad. And and again, I, I think I'm sick of like the Thornton and Simmons on the first unit and you know, staggering the units. Like I, I'm just sick of it at this point. I think you just gotta go back to the basics. You put the stars out there, you know, let them stay out there, like I said, for a minute 20, however long you want to keep them out there. If you want to keep Matthews on for the full two minutes. Like, just something to snap out of this. And I think the main way you're going to snap out of it is just let your talent take over. Yeah. And, and don't try to galaxy brain this with with Thornton and Simmons down low and, and try to get cute. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think they just got to move away from that. But 100%. But, yeah, I mean, we could talk about the power play all day, Laporte. Let's get into um, a couple players here. I guess we could start off quickly with, with Nylander, who's now yeah. missed five games in a row. So before he went on the, the COVID protocol list, he had four points in two games and then goes on the, the protocol list. And you could see visibly, like offensively, this team is different. When yeah. William Nylander is not out there 
on that second line, providing that, that secondary scoring punch. And, you know, I say that it's secondary scoring punch, but William Elander is a damn good player. Like, oh, yeah. like a top two offensive player on a lot of teams in the league. So they always show those numbers, like the geeks dig up those numbers uh, of Nylanders where it'll say like whatever amount of games played he has, like say it's like, okay, he's at 350 games played. How many five on five goals or five on five points he has. And they'll pull out like a list of like wingers or just comparables. And he's always near the top, man. It's like, we totally take him for granted. Like I remember there was one span and people will flip out like he, at his games played, he had better numbers than McKinnon. Wow. Lot, you know what? You're right. Like to start their careers because oh yeah, he, people way, don't remember he was like way ahead of him. McKinnon didn't like get off to a crazy start where he came into the league and he was putting up points like Crosby. Yeah. Like it was a slow progression for McKinnon to get to what he is now. Yeah. And everyone looks at was, that. was putting up essentially the same points per game as him over yeah. the first like three seasons or whatever it was everyone looks at McKinnon's contract and they're like, Oh my God, what a steal. But they forget that like, no, based on his performance at that time, like that was maybe an overpay. Like they were, they were paying on future. Like he wasn't going to get 10, 11 million like he would now. But yeah, he, I, I heard him in an interview um, on spin chicklets. We're getting kind of off topic now, but uh, he talked about his struggle struggles early on. It really affected him mentally. Like he essentially said, like he was suffering from depression because he couldn't get out of this rod. He wasn't scoring. People were talking negatively about him. And you do put it in perspective, like a player like that, who probably since they were six years old was the best player in whatever league he was playing in up until junior. And now you're picked first overall. There's the Crosby talk because you're from the East coast and this and that, and the other connections and you don't have the greatest start. And for the first time in his life, people were dumping on him. He, uh, and he says, the guy didn't handle it well. And, I mean, long-term, the Colorado Avalanche benefited from it because he signed a very reasonable contract and then his numbers just took off. He got his head right and we're happy for him that he was able to do that. But uh, yeah, no, Nylander's numbers are, are definitely comparable to him and other stars around the NHL. Yeah, no, it's that's why it's like when he's not out there, you know, sometimes you forget it. It's like you said, you take him for granted because we all know that Matthews and Marner have been carrying the team offensively this year. But man, oh man, when you don't, have William Nylander one of your top four offensive players out there for a five game stretch like sure for one or two games okay we can get by with him but now when you're seeing you know it roll into five games and maybe even six games like you're like okay yeah, like this offense everything. really needs the skill of William Nylander and now I guess we can go into the conversation about William Nylander's main line mate this season Michael Lapore, John Tavares who yeah a lot of people we're shitting on this guy. I mean, we've been very critical of John Tavares this season, but you look at the stats. He's got 10 points in his last seven games. Awesome. Playing well. So what are your overall thoughts on, on the play of, of Johnny Toronto? Yeah. With Tavares, it's a little different. Cause like with Nylander, with Nylander, like a lot of the geeks always talk about, I'm funny. I'm, I'm talking a lot about the geeks on this show. They mentioned like his zone entries. And like, oh, his own entries. And I was always like, yeah, that's cool. But there's always that part of me that thought, okay, well, how is his own injury that significant? And you've seen in these games that he's gone, the Leafs have struggled getting the puck in the other team's end and keeping it there. And that's an important role on a line. Like they say, okay, a guy who carries a line. So when you remove that, the impact is seen. Like it's very, very obvious. And it's also seen metrically too, like I mentioned. Where with Tavares, I hate to say like, shut up and watch the games, but shut up and watch the games. Like with him, you just, you just see it clearly 
Whereas, like I said, with Nylander, it's like, I kind of see it. They're struggling with this, but I really have to be shown the metrics to see what is not being contributed. Where with Tavares, what he's doing behind the net, like I said, with those assists, like you see the effort level. And again, I'm not saying advanced stats would not show that. But to me, it's just like, it's obvious how good this guy's been. And we're seeing it now with his numbers. Like he's getting the points, but I think the hardcore Leafs fans who watch every minute of every game have seen how good he's been for quite a while now and the puck just wasn't going in for him and he wasn't getting getting rewarded for his hard work not getting as many points as he should have been whereas now he is so he deserves it he's he's worked his ass off at the end of the day and he's been our best player like i think he's been our best player maybe for a while now like like there i said it okay okay that's fair i mean listen there's there's people that would probably agree with you he's been really good the last little while and you know john tavares he could be frustrating at times because he doesn't have that high-end speed. Right. And, you know, when you're watching him and you compare him to some of the other stars, right, especially guys that are making the same money that he's making, when you look at, I mean, McDavid's in his own league, but even like McKinnon and Matthews and Dreisaitl and, and some of these other good players, right? And, even, you know, even if you look at a guy like, I'll even go down to like Sebastian Ajo, Right. When you're like watching this guy skate and you're like, wow, like this is a really good player, like number one center. And Tavares, that explosiveness isn't there. So you're always left wondering, like, man, oh man, like we're paying $11 million to someone who's like not explosive, who can't beat guys one on one. But when you look at, you know, some of the things that you talked about, Lapore, like the way that he's able to protect the puck down low and his work behind the net and the effort level and his stick handling. And he still has a really good shot. Like he, he does a lot of things really well. And I think Lee fans are finally starting to see the John Tavares that, you know, we saw earlier in his Leafs tenure. And just to go over some numbers here, John Tavares with his 38 points this season would be the leading scorer or tied for the team scoring lead on 15 teams in the NHL. <laughs> oh man is there ever more of a stat that just like slaps Leafs fans in the face and is like shut the fuck up like oh my god lead you did on 15 teams yeah so oh half the teams god. in the nhl john tavares would be their leading scorer and on the toronto maple Leafs, he's the third leading scorer behind matthews and marner yeah he's 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 holding us back <laughs> in leafland yeah we'd be the number one scorer on, in uh in, on uh the teams in half the league but yeah okay yeah, that is so, hilarious that's an amazing start and that's the thing right so like you know it's important always and i mentioned this on a lot of these shows like zoom out you know whether you're looking at the leafs and you know i know they're on a three-game losing streak but zoom out look at the bigger picture same thing with john tavares Yes. Do we, do we want a little bit more maybe from an $11 million player? Would we like to see him have 50 points in, in 44 games? Yeah. I think everyone would love to see that, you know, when it comes to a guy you're paying $11 million, but at the end of the day, he's been good. And if he continues playing like this, this is going to be an absolute weapon come playoff time. When you have Matthews and Tavares down the middle of the ice, whether you want to add in Nick Foligno into that center mix or play him on the wing, I mean, that's that's going to be tough for teams to deal with come playoff time. So Yeah. We talked about, it was last week, I believe, where we talked about sort of like styles of players. And some guys get like a lot of credit they don't deserve. And some guys get shit on that uh, that don't necessarily deserve it. And I found with like certain style of players, like almost like the very talented, not speedster guy 
they get dumped on a lot because you kind of people kind of see it as like oh they're not trying like for example like again being in Ottawa, it was always jason spatza here because of his style he's got that slow wide stride he looks around so if things aren't going well for him you're like oh he's not trying he's got no intensity and it's like no that's just his style of yeah play. that's literally how he plays that's how he and i thought actually i thought thornton was the same way funny how they're all leafs now I thought Thornton was the same way, like back in his days in San Jose. Oh, regular season, but in the playoffs when he's not getting it done, look at him. He's barely trying. It's like, no, he's just like, he's calculated. He's slower. He's like, he's patient. And then people shit on that. And I don't think Tavares is necessarily that style, but just to your point, how like he's not a speedster roadrunner, people get frustrated. And when maybe they shouldn't be, they're like, it's just, it, it seems like colossally bad when it's not. Cause like that speedster maybe is, you know, you see that those like plays where the player flies up the wing and something doesn't go well for him. So you think, Oh, at least he's flying up the wing. It's like, well, it doesn't matter if he didn't accomplish anything. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like, look at like, and then you look at like Ilya Mikheyev, who's like one of the fastest guys in the NHL. Oh my God. It has zero finishing ability and Uh, can't do like half of the things that John Tavares is able to do. Right. Oh my God. No, Mikheyev's like, you get that breakaway. That's when you get up to take a piss because you're not going to miss anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's always important to put these things in perspective. As Leafs fans always do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Perspective. Oh, oh God. Perspective. Yeah, that should be the that should, the Toronto Maple Leafs should come out with an official slogan. Uh, official slogan. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Perspective. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Maybe. Maybe like 50 years from now. Not, yeah. not anytime soon. Definitely before. not. When, when someone blows up Twitter, maybe oh, we'll get there. Jesus. But uh, Laporte, before we wrap this thing up, let's get into a quick schedule chad here so oh god Leafs have 12 games remaining on the schedule they're slated to play their final game of the season may 14th and uh so coming up their next four games they're all on the road they got yeah. the canucks twice and then the jets twice okay so and you know we know the COVID situation that vancouver's been dealing with the sunday or sorry the saturday night game got postponed to sunday and listen, all these teams in the league that have been dealing with COVID, whether it's New Jersey and Buffalo, when they come back, it's not pretty. So the Leafs have four more games against the Canucks. You would think they're going to be able to take care of business against them. Mm. They have three more games against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, just another thing to mention, the Leafs have a winning record against every team in the Canadian division this season. So, Still, okay. So Laporte, uh, just kind of give me your thoughts on the – on the end of season schedule here and, and what you're, what you're anticipating with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know exactly how to describe it. Like, are we getting to a point in the season and like yeah, even watching other games, you always have that stretch run towards the end, but, and I'm saying this about every team, like, like how, or not every team, but most teams, how much really is there to play for from a, from a result standpoint? Like, based on how it's set up, where a lot of spots are locked up, home ice advantage isn't as significant as it is in regular seasons, regular situations. So, I don't know. Like, like I'm not going to say, like, oh, I won't be rattled if the Leafs go on a losing streak. But, like, we just use the word perspective. And we're like, are, I'm just thinking, like, are coaches going to use this as an opportunity to experiment with things and maybe try different lines or see if things work or don't? Because, like, the results aren't really that important now. Like, for some teams, I mean, they will have to figure stuff out and they will need to get results. But I took it, like, the great, like, the great scope 
of what these teams and specifically what the Leafs are dealing with, where the results themselves aren't that important. And I'm not like almost like people are, you're preemptively making excuses for them, but I don't know. Like, like a big thing is too, is health. Like a lot of coaches, like you're locked in, if you're locked into a playoff spot and um, home ice advantage, even if you're locked in a home ice, it'd be, it'd be pretty catastrophic for the Leafs to follow, follow out of like a home ice advantage spot in the first round. So would you be that rattled if say like certain players minutes got dropped a little bit to like give them more rest or like avoid the chance of injury? Like, I don't know. Like, and, and the other thing is too, is watching these games, not much to play for. Like I said, and you're playing the same teams over and over again. Like I know for me, it is getting stale. Like it is getting stale as a viewer, like trying to get, trying to get excited for these games. I, I'm sure the players, at least some of them, feel the same way like this team again and we're locked into a spot and people can come back and say oh they're professionals this and that but at the same time they're human and i think you, you throw all that in and again there's no fans it's still you take out even it's saturday night at scotiabank arena eighteen thousand people going crazy like you don't even have that to pump you up it's just i don't know what yeah, to expect it's a slog at this point yeah like i just get through it and don't get hurt Exactly. And listen, it is how I look at it. Exhibit A, Thursday night against the Jets. If the Leafs were really, you know, competing for a playoff spot or things were getting dicey at the end of the season, you're telling me Austin Matthews wouldn't be in the lineup? That's a good point. Yeah. Like, like, in a regular season, if these two teams are fighting for home ice advantage, yeah, like you know, Austin he's Matthews. Like, and I know they're playing, they were playing the Jets, and that's the team that's chasing them for first in the North. But I think the Leafs saw it as a situation where they knew that the Saturday Vancouver game was going to get postponed. Because there was reports flying around that we knew that the game was probably going to get postponed. We just didn't know exactly what which day and how the schedule was going to shake out. But I'm sure the Leafs, you know, they got word about the schedule and they said, okay, let's rest Matthews on Thursday, meaning that he's not going to play, you know, he's going to have like three days off, right? And then he'll get back at it on Sunday against Vancouver. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's just a situation where it's like, of course, the Leafs want to finish first in the Canadian division. Like, that would be great. You lock up home ice in the first two rounds. But if they fall into second, like, is it is it a complete disaster? I don't think so. It, even at that point, don't they have, like, the best road record in the league this year? Yeah, their their road record this season is, is ridiculous. Yeah, and not that I'm saying, oh, we should fall out of the top two spots. But, again, like, the significance of this is is very minimal. Yeah, like, the Leafs are 14-5-1 on the road this season. Yeah, there you go. So if they got to yeah. play in an empty building on the road against Winnipeg, like I don't think they care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but anyways, we'll, we'll see how, how it turns out. And maybe they'll win the rest of their uh, remaining games. And we'll say, you see how committed they were to winning down the stretch? This team's a contender. <laughs> we'll have that narrative. Yeah, so, I, there, we'll there's going to be a lot of narratives that pop up, Lepore. But it, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be very exciting because we're going to see Nick Foligno finally come into the lineup. That's William right. Nylander is going to be back soon. Obviously, Austin Matthews is going to be back in the lineup um, at some point over the next couple games, you would assume. Hopefully, he's going to play in the Sunday night game against Vancouver. But uh, any final thoughts, Lepore, before we wrap this thing up? No, but just two things. Let's uh, let's snap this losing streak and let's score on some fucking power plays, boys. Let's do it. You said it, Laporte. That- Even if it's one game, go like three out of five on the power play to make us all forget about this and slap us in the face and tell us it was all fucking bullshit that it was this bad. Like, guys, just give us that, please. Like, we're begging you. 
No, we don't 100%. ask for much, guys. You haven't given us much over the last 50 years. Like, give us that one, at least. Let's start with that for the year. For real, man. No, you you nailed it. Like, at this point, and you said it earlier in the show, it's confidence at this point. Like, they got a fucking snap out of this power play, drought. Like, it's just been a complete embarrassment. One for 42. That is the number one thing I am looking for. From now until our next podcast, can the Leafs finally get this damn power play going? And if they can do that, I think things are going to settle down because that's kind of the one thing that people are poking, you know, poking holes at right now is this Leafs special team. So if they can, if they can get that under control. And like I said, you get everyone in the lineup, everyone's healthy, you get Felino in the mix. I think good things are going to be on the way for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's do it. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for episode 15 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. So I'm going to reiterate this again. It only takes like five seconds of your time. We would really, really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It would be a big-time help as we continue to pump out content for you guys And then also, if you're watching us on YouTube, we would really appreciate it if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So, for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno. That does it for episode 15, and we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks, everyone.